0: Romans chapter 2, we, we come now to a, a new section of the second chapter, and it affords us a couple of um, opportunities to uh, look at some, some different little things, so um, bear with me as we uh, work our way through this text, beginning at verse 12, Romans 2, verse 12. I tell you what, let's begin at verse 11. For there is no partiality with God. For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and being themselves, their their thoughts accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now, gang, the first thing that we have to do tonight is organize the text. Um, I, I hope you noticed as I read, I tried to read it to, so that it would bring your attention to it. Um, I hope you noticed that as I read, there are some parentheses. There is one set of parentheses. Parentheses. Uh, in in this translation, which is the uh, New King James, you will notice that there is a set of parentheses beginning at verse thirteen and ending at verse fifteen. Now, um, w- which allows me the opportunity to say a few things about how you got that book that it lies in your laps at this moment. Um, I hope you understand that. When Paul wrote the book of Romans, he did not use a parenthesis. Now, again, let me, let me just take off on a direction just real quickly. This might be of interest to some of you. I brought these along with me to, once again, show you how unbelievably intelligent I am. Um, <laughs> I scare myself at times. I, I, but this, this, is a, this is a Hebrew Bible. This is the Old Testament. Um, If you want to ever take a look at something like this, Genesis is back here. Uh, This stuff that you might be able to see from where you're sitting, much akin to chicken scratch, is the Hebrew language. Uh, And it starts at the right and goes to the left and not the left and goes to the right. Uh, this is a Hebrew Bible, and, and and there was a time when I was in seminary where I was really, really proficient in this book. <laughs> but that was 25 years ago. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, I was so proficient at one time that I was even asked to teach Hebrew at a seminary. I, I still can't believe that was true. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but anyway, uh, I could train i used to be able to read it. That is, read it, and you know, just read it from here into the English. I could translate it right now, but I could not read it anymore. But anyway, this is a Hebrew Bible. This is a Greek New Testament. I do better with Greek. It have some letters in there that look like A's, and some look like, you know, P's. Not all of them, but this is a, 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 a Greek New Testament. It also goes from the left to the right, which is very helpful. Um, but, guys, that thing that's lying in your lap is a translation of these two things. Um, what I wanted to point out to you is how it is that you got this, from, what was the process from getting from here to here? Now, um, and that's, that this set of parentheses <laughs> allows me to do that for a moment. Um, I don't know whether your Bible is like mine. I have a, a, a New Geneva Study Bible, which I'm not all that wild about. Um, but if you've got one like mine, and, and if you, whatever kind you got, open it to the front, uh, and you should be able to see this in yours. It's in mine, um, but again, if it's like this, you'll have this page in it, and you'll notice it says Contributors. And you'll notice it says the Old Testament contributors, and then you'll have the New Testament contributors. Now, here's what happens in the translation of a Bible. You get a group of people together, these guys are mentioned right here as the contributors, who are, um, they're basically linguistic scholars. They're not necessarily theologians. They're simply, people. for instance, in the Old Testament, you will find names listed there who don't have the slightest connection with, uh, with uh, Orthodox Christianity. But what they will be is, they'll be very knowledgeable scholars in the Hebrew language. And so what their contribution is, is to come to this book, this thing here, and translate it exactly the way it is spoken. And then you get that, of course, in your English copies, of the Old Testament. It's a committee, gang. It's a committee of Old Testament linguistic squat scholars who basically, they're not trying to tell you what it says. They're not trying to be commentators. They're not trying to be an, an analysts. They're simply taking the text, the Hebrew text, and translating it into English. That's all their job is. Now, that's the same thing happens with the new testament now when these guys get together when i assure you ladies and gentlemen when paul wrote the book of romans he did not even have parentheses he didn't even know what those were um, he didn't use punctuation they didn't even divide words what they would normally what paul normally did in his in in his writing to separate a word he would insert an upside down V, which is in the Greek language something called a new, an N, but it looks like a V. And so he'd write a word, he'd stick a new in there, and then he'd write another word. But it was just one continuous chain of letters. So these guys came in and tried to translate what Paul had written into the English language, and then somebody came and um, put it into verses. Paul didn't write in verses. He didn't write in paragraphs. Uh, Then there are those who are known for their skill in pagination. (laughs) You know what that means? They they put it in pages. That is, okay, well, let's put this on the next page. You know, that is all done not under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. None of that, ladies and gentlemen, is to be relied upon or understood as something that God did for you. He didn't do that for you. These guys did it for you. Now it's helpful. It's helpful stuff in terms of um just studying. Because it breaks it up into verses and if you ever want to memorize a verse you certainly would need to have a verse number, wouldn't you? So those are just tools that they, these guys put together. By the way, the 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 versification of the New Old Testament Old Testament was done uh in the 17th century. So if you're going to ever memorize uh, Philippians 4:10, um it, it's going to be verse 410 because in the 17th century somebody made it seven uh, verse 10. uh and breaking it up into verses so that we could handle it better and sometimes you, you if you're studying the scriptures you find them breaking up in the middle of a of a sentence middle of a clause and you think why did they put the verse there you know you don't all i'm trying to tell you is here we are studying romans chapter 2 verses uh, 11 through 16 and we find a parenthesis um, Paul didn't write th- he didn't put that in there these guys did and interestingly enough the 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 location of the parenthesis is different in a lot of translations for instance in my translation or in, th- in this particular translation of the bible the um the the, the, the parenthesis begins after verse 12 so you have verses 13, 14, and 15 in parentheses. Now, if I'm not mistaken, if you've got an NIV, your parenthesis is different. I thought so. So it, again, don't worry about that because that's just the translators doing it, trying to, trying to help you to, as you read it, to know what is it that is parenthetical and what is not parenthetical. Now, I want to suggest to you that the NIV is wrong in terms of its location of the parenthesis. Um, And I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, Well, actually, let me tell you now. The King James and the New King James, as I said, have it beginning with verse 13 and including verse 15. So the, the, the parenthesis is verses 13, 14, and 15. So what you really have is a statement that begins in verse 11, for there is no partiality with God, For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That's how it's supposed to read. But stuck in there is a parenthetical statement by Paul. Now, the reason that I think the King James and the New King James is correct and the NIV is wrong is if you'll notice... Um, the, the, the subject of verse 12 and the subject of verse 16 is judgment. Uh, we'll be judged by the law on the day when God will judge the secrets of men. I, I think the sentence is supposed to run like that, and that's the way we're going to deal with it. Um, we're going to deal with it as if the statement is contained in verses 11, 12, and 16. That's the thought. And then we're going to come back next week, if we get through it this tonight, we'll come back next week and look at the truth that's contained within the parenthesis. Because there is indeed a parenthetical statement in here, and at least two of the major translations agree, and, and, and I do as well, uh, that it should be verses 13, 14 and 15. Now, <laughs> um, that's what I meant when I said the first thing that we have to do is arrange and organize the text. But having done that, that gives me another opportunity to say something else that, that I love to say, because it's such a danger amongst us conservative evangelicals. You know, guys, what is the essence of Bible study? What are we doing here? Why do we have a Bible study? Why do you go to Bible studies? I, I, I find it so often, not so often, but... More often than should be true, is that I can sit up here and and I can tell you all about these things about how the translation did this came from the New Testament and you know they got to, and Paul did this and then you know and people really love that stuff. And they they walk out, thinking, oh, we've got a good Bible study because did you know that the parenthesis is in there? I never saw the parenthesis before. and The parenthesis is right there. And I saw the parenthesis. Ha, 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 ha And my pastor told me the parenthesis is in there. And look at us. We know the parenthesis is on a go. As if." We have studied the Bible together. And guys, I want you to know that is to do nothing but to walk out with a new set of information. And that's not Bible study. And I, and I think that sometimes when we're studying the Bible, what we're looking for is a new Bible fact so that we can really be good at Bible trivia or something. That's not Bible study. Bible study has not been done Bible study has not been begun, it has not been completed until there has been some application made to the truth that I have heard to my life. And so, my dear friends, my dear friends, you must, if I fail you, and I try, I've got a couple of applications, but if I fail you, you cannot, you cannot rest until you have said, hmm, okay, now, that if that's what that means, then what, what is it that God is requiring of me? And it may be, gosh, I need to make a phone call. Gosh, I need to go on a diet. Gosh, I need to thank, give God thanks. Gosh, I need to be more generous. Gosh, I need to hold my tongue. Gosh, I need... But there's got to be some application. Or I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, you have done nothing but gather more information. And that is not the goal to fill your heads. Knowledge popeth (laughs) upeth. And and guys, just just because you've gotten another Bible fact doesn't mean much. In fact, it's almost dangerous. Now, I, I said the first thing that we need to do is organize the text, and we've done that. But having organized the text, it, it, it gave me an opportunity to, to compare something. Okay, we know what the prince is. We know how the Bible that, That's a nice thing to know, Jimmy. Thank you for sharing that with us, and we all feel intellectually warmed. But that's not our golden coming. It's not my golden teaching. It's not your golden listening, I hope. Because I'm telling you guys, it will do you damage. It will do you damage. To just know more and i and one of the one of the applications tonight is i'll show you what damage it's going to do to you maybe we'll get to that next week but so understand that always the goal of opening this book is not to get some verse for the day when we open this book our goal is to become conformed to the truth contained that we just heard that's always the goal never forget that and if and if i regularly fail you then you need to rebuke me because ultimately guys what i what i'm here to do tell you what to try to uh, try to tell you what it says and then say okay what am i going to do about that and that's what you must do too okay <clears throat> now we come to verse 11 verse 11 states the principle that paul is trying to amplify and explain in verses 12 through 16 and we'll see that in the in the either coming tonight or maybe next week but there's the principle Uh, there is no partiality with god god does not show favoritism that's the principle um and the fact that he does not show favoritism is another indication of how vastly different he is than we are he does not show favoritism and very frankly ladies and gentlemen it is so very difficult for me not to show favoritism. We favor Southerners over Northerners. We favor um, um, we favor whites over blacks. We favor we favor um, Reformed over Armenians. We favor ut grads over old miss grads we we are constantly in the in the market of demonstrating and showing favoritism well that ladies and gentlemen is so much unlike our god god is never influenced by outside external considerations, that is a simple statement of fact about his nature and character. He is not influenced, he is not influenced by outside considerations. Which allows me, or gives pause, or I take pause to make this application. there, there's a side of me that wants to rant and rave and scream and holler at this moment, but that doesn't do any good, that does it. Do you tell racial jokes? Do you? Oh, my brother and sister in Christ, that should never be true of us. Racism? Oh, God, forbid us folks, surely, surely you wouldn't dream of using the n-word, would you? Would you? Please. You know, that word has, that n-word, you know the word that I'm alluding to, I hope? That word has almost become, has become as, almost as offensive to me as other words of great notorious vulgarity gang, our God is one who takes not into account anything of external consequence, and we make fun of that? Oh, no, surely not. Surely not among us. Surely not. Now, I I don't know how much we can do about uh, eliminating racism, but I know this much any any smidgen of racial tendency on our parts is godless because our god doesn't show partiality Ah, uh, there's none of him uh-uh but it does again point out how everlastingly different he is from us but may i plead with you if that word is in your vocabulary expunge it tonight that's an application don't ever use it again don't ever dream of using it again don't ever tell another dirt uh, don't tell those either don't ever tell another racial joke that's awful it's just awful guys it just shows how prone we are to be impressed with externals okay enough saying but that's that's the simple statement of real fact there is no partiality with god now verse 12 in verse 12 paul goes on to make his application now watch him watch him as paul watch him make application of that principle that's the fact now here again Why did verse 11, at least in the New King James, why did verse 11 get separated from verse 12 in the uh, paragraphing? I don't know. It really should be next to but it didn't. Anyway, there's the principle. Now in verse 12, he begins to apply that principle. Now look at it. it. It's pretty simple, really. For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. You see what he did? He simply classed people into two groups. There are two groups of people. Those people who had the law, who, who, who are under the law, or without the law, or with the law. That's the way he does it in the New King James. There are people without the law, and then there are people in the law. There are some people who had it. There are some people who didn't have it. Now, of course, you know who those two groups are. Those with the law were Jews. And then there were those without the law. They were Gentiles. In other words, there are two groups of people. People who had it, people who didn't have it. And ju- God's judgment of those two groups is completely impartial. If a Gentile sins. He will be judged as one who did not have the advantage, the benefit of the written law. For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law. Ah, but those other fellows, those many as have sinned in the law, will be judged by the law. So, um, they're they're both going to be judged, because the issue is not whether you had the law or didn't have the law. The issue is sin. But, gang, it does point out that, that thing that I go over, it seems more often than I, I, I imagine, but um, that, that a man who has never heard the gospel is not going to be judged in the same way as if he had heard the gospel. Um, now, gang, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that if someone is going to be saved by not having heard the gospel. I'm not saying that. Did you get that? Was that clear? <laughs> You're not going to be saved by not having heard the gospel. But he is going to be judged differently than one who has heard the gospel. The, the Jews had written codified law. Gentiles did not. And as a result of that, their judgments will, their judgments will differ. Possession of the law rendered Jews uh, far more guilty than those who didn't have the law. And so the Jew, far from being saved because he had the law, his judgment will even be more severe because he had the law. Do you know what I mean by that? you see, what the Jew was doing is, oh, oh well, God would never, never, um, he would never judge us because we have the law, we have the law, we have the law. He even, that language is, is used, I think, in Jeremiah 8, someplace, where the Jew was constantly, his, his safety was, we have the law, we have the law, we have the law. Well, it's as if God looks at him and says, yeah. And that ain't going to make it safe for you. That's going to make it harder on you. Because you did have the law, and something should have been done because you had possession of that law. And in because, you, because you had possession of it, you are rendered far more guilty by that one fact than those who didn't have it. But the real issue for both of them, ladies and gentlemen, whether they have the law or didn't have a law, the real issue is sin And that is where God will show no partiality. The judgments will differ according to what benefit and advantages you enjoyed. But there will be no partiality (coughs) in that distribution of judgment by God. I want to show you this because, (coughs) pardon me, should this sound a tad strange to your ears, let me show you that Paul is doing nothing. Turn with me if you can find real quick Luke 12. Paul is doing nothing more than teaching something that Jesus already taught. Um, let me begin reading at verse 41. I'm in Luke twelve forty-one. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and uh, to eat and drink and and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he... Let let me skip down to the... um, Verse 47... "...and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few." (laughs) That's exactly what Paul is saying. "...for everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required." And to whom much has been committed? Of him they will ask the more. You see, guys, Paul is not saying anything different than what you find Jesus saying right there. If you knew these things, and you did all that bad stuff, you're going to be beaten with a whole bunch of stripes. But if you didn't know those things, you're going to be beaten. But not as many stripes. (laughs) Based on those advantages... And those benefits that you enjoyed will determine the severity of your judgment. Um, on the part of two, on the part of the two groups, it is their sin, which is their common damnable offense, uh, for Jew and Gentile. Both classes, without Christ, will perish. But the punishment of the Jew will be far greater. Because of his advantages. Now, let me pause again, and maybe we we're gonna have to stop right here, but let me pause again to try and make an application to us. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this principle can be marvelously applied and is applied by Paul uh, to us who are believers. Turn with me, if you will, real quick, to 2 Corinthians 5. <clears throat> you there? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. Um, let me read verse 9. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men that we are all well-known to God, and I also trust we are well-known to your conscience. Guys, um, do you see the principle that is applied here in Second Corinthians 5 to Christians? Um, there is a judgment for Christians, and let, let me read you, don't turn this one, let me just read you this one real quickly. This is First Corinthians 3.15. Um, oh, this is one of, the, one of these, these, you know this text, I think. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Remember that passage? where Paul is warning people how they teach and said, you know, don't build on that foundation with wood, stay, and hubble, uh, wood clay, and hubble, or whatever. And um, if, you, if you put something on that foundation that's not good, uh, it's gonna be burned up and you will suffer loss. Do you see the principle, ladies and gentlemen, that Christians too will suffer loss as a result of having enjoyed enjoyed some of these rich benefits that we have enjoyed over the years. Gang, I do you a disservice because every time you hear the gospel, your responsibility increases. Every time you are exposed to truth, your responsibility broadens and deepens. And it is perfectly right for God to do so. He has granted wonderful and precious benefits to us. And the more we hear them, the more culpable we are, the more responsible we are to Live accordingly. <clears throat> there is a sense in which you should never listen again. To do that it would be your your own destruction. But gang, every time you hear these truths, every time we hear them together, our responsibilities increase. You like that Bible sitting in your lap? Ain't it great? The whole Protestant Reformation was false so that you could have that thing in your lap. The whole Protestant Reformation was fault. People died, spilled blood, went on crusades for, the, for something known as the priesthood of the believers. That is, that you can have a Bible in your, in your lap and you can sit and interpret it. You like a church that faithfully tries to declare in every possible way the truth of God to you? Those are all benefits, ladies and gentlemen. All-increasing benefits. Responsibility. I, I I show you one other, and then we gotta quit. Turn and we'll close with Revelation chapter fourteen. And I think we looked at this not too long ago either, but but underline it, folks, because it it is it is spoken to us. I'm in Revelation chapter fourteen, verse thirteen, where we hear the author saying. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Again, you you see who that's talking about. That's talking about people who spend their eternity in heaven. And, And it is certainly not suggesting that we are saved according to works, but they make a difference. And to have so very few of them to follow us when we have been exposed to such rich and precious truth for so many years, increases the potential, increases the possibility of our potential loss. That's a principle woven into the warp and the woof of the scriptures. And we'll come back and look more at it next week choir I need to be dismissed and committees uh, have edits. And the rest of us commoners will close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do indeed thank you for this book. But we hear it being told us tonight that there is, um, there is an expectation that you have upon us as people who have had such great access to it, such great liberties with it, such great enjoyments of it. We sing it, we preach it, we teach it, we memorize it, we study it. And because we can and do, our responsibilities are bigger, bigger than those who don't get these privileges. And I pray that you will remind us all of that very truth tonight. And might that sense of knowing that we will stand before you, ignite within us a greater determination A greater um, zeal for holy things. It is our desire, O God, not to disappoint you. It is our desire to bring you great pleasure. And in response to your word, there are some decisions that we have to make tonight. Enable us to make them. And I pray, O God, that you'll not allow Satan to steal the word that's been sown into the hearts of your people tonight until it is taking root and bringing forth fruit. We ask all of that in the name of King Jesus. Amen. Thank you for coming and good night.